Hello, and welcome to Linux Action News, episode 285, recorded on March 21st, 2023. I'm Chris. And I'm Wes. Hello, Wes. Let's do the news. We start with one of the tools that makes the packets go round. Daniel Stenberg, the creator of Curl, has announced the release of Curl 8.0. This release includes several new features, improvements, and bug fixes. Yeah, as always, and I agree, Wes, Curl is really like one of those silent apps running in the background in so many different places. Just this morning, we were digging into a popular open source project's internal updater tool. And yeah, it's like Bash and Curl doing the heavy lifting in there. And that's like that everywhere, all over the world, I tell you. And so it's always nice to see a new version of Curl, but we don't talk about it often here on the show. There are some new features in this release, like Wes mentioned. HTTP3 support is in there. QQuick support is in there, or Quick, I guess. And uh, also support for something I was unfamiliar with until this episode, the alternative service header, I guess better known as Alt-SVC. You'll also be relieved to know there's improved support for HTTP2 in there as well. Daniel hosted a live stream to celebrate 8.0's release. This is me. I'm Daniel. I uh, lead the project. I founded the project a long time ago. We'll link to the 38-minute YouTube video in the show notes so you can catch the whole thing. But one of the details that impressed us was the number of contributors to the project. And this time around... We got help from 20, 41 contributors, and um, of course, a lot of them knew more than half. 21 people authored commits, and we are now 1,125 authors in total who have landed coding curl. And it looks like 8.0 was, was almost a perfect release. I mean, it was really, except for just like one minor bug that caused it to crash in several test cases. So a single commit was rolled back, and 8.0.1 has been shipped. There's other noticeable things about this release, like the fact that this marks 25 years of the project. Well, so you have 25 years and that big number increase. Watching Daniel's video, though, you get the impression the project is just getting started. We may be 25 years old today, but there's no end in sight, right? And this project is likely to go on for for a significant amount of time, further than just 25 years. So curl is 25 years today, exactly. We bump the version number to 800, mostly because it's fun and I wanted to get the minor number down to a manageable version because uh, it became very big and it became hard to keep track of and I really did not want it to reach 100. The folks at Amazon seem very excited about their new Amazon Linux 2023 release, calling it the next generation of Amazon Linux and making big claims, such as, with Amazon Linux 2023, you get an application environment that offers long-term support with access to the latest innovations in Linux. Hmm. So access to the, quote, latest innovations in Linux, that's that's corporate speak for it. it's based on Fedora now, which that's a pretty notable development. There's some other things in here that seem like uh, are worth noting, like they offer a two-year release cycle with long-term support, and they note they have, quote, improved the security posture and, quote, applied kernel hardening. Now, whether that's a good thing or not is probably up to the user, but they are shipping it with SE Linux enabled by default in permissive mode, OpenSSL 3, 
and offering a kernel live patch service. And if you're worried about that Fedora base, they're also providing deterministic updates through versioned repository, which basically means your OS gets locked to a specific version of the Amazon Linux package repository with an aim to give you more control over how and when you receive updates. Now, that may all sound nice, but there is just one catch. Yeah, before you get too excited about the ultimate Fedora with long-term support and immutable repositories, and yeah, it's it's really built for AWS. It's purpose-built for AWS customers. Um, and we have seen some confusion about this online. It seems like some of Amazon's language in the announcement led some to think maybe a a general ISO would be made available to the public. I mean, I wouldn't put it past the Linux community to create something like that, but don't expect Amazon to publish anything like that. And while it is a large market, it really is meant for AWS customers, as you say there, Chris. And those customers, well, they often want something supported, and in some cases actually built by Amazon. So Amazon's goal is to provide a safe, reliable, high-performance execution environment, specifically for Amazon EC2 applications. Yeah, but I think the rebase on Fedora is probably, at least for most of us, the most interesting bit of this story. The fact that Amazon is revving their Linux, that's not so interesting. But the fact that they've rebased on Fedora, that's got my attention. Because I think you gotta you got to remember, historically, Amazon's been cagey about sharing details around the underpinning of their Linux distributions. Early on, like years ago, they just kind of tried to imply that they built the whole thing from scratch. Then we saw updates, like not long ago, we saw an update and we dug into it and we saw that, well, now this one was actually based on RHEL with some modifications. And now, now we see that this 2023 version, it's based on Fedora. And the other thing that we're seeing is that Amazon is openly talking about it. The Asahi Project has shared an update on the road to Vulkan support on Apple hardware. This week, we got a lengthy blog post on the work to get their Rust-written kernel driver and the Mesa OpenGL bits all working together. Now, remember, the kernel driver, that remains out of tree. So this is something that if you're using Asahi Linux, they're continuing to ship snapshots to the repositories. I have it installed on a system, and I frequently see updates come down. One of the significant milestones that they talk about recently, and it's, I need to couch it, is all a bit complicated. There's a lot of things involved, but they've been conducting benchmarks of OpenGL apps, and they are seeing significantly better performance with the Asahi stack than they are natively under macOS. Now, there are several factors here beyond just good code by the Asahi team, like maybe Apple's focus on metal and possible underinvestment in OpenGL. But on the Asahi side, there's also been work on compute support, performance optimizations for sure, and support for multiple GPU jobs, and a lot more. Yeah, it really is getting, I guess, rounded out. And you're right, the uh, like the Zenotic test, which is a open source first person shooter, um, when that was conducted under macOS, I believe that was ran under Rosetta. Now the video driver stuff is supposed to still be accelerated, but like you say, Wes. Seemingly, Apple just hasn't been entirely motivated to really make OpenGL work great on modern versions of macOS. But here's some of the numbers. Check this out. Zonotic, with the Asahi st- stack, achieved 800 frames per second. 
well, Mac OS got 600. So that's pretty impressive too, but that's a decent improvement from the free software stack on Linux. But I think maybe even better, more notable, probably something that's going to pay dividends long-term, the Asahi driver now passes 100% of the OpenGL and GLES conformance tests, which is better than macOS. Canonical has joined the Confidential Computing Consortium, a group of companies and organizations that are working to secure data in use by performing computations in a hardware-based, trusted execution environment. Yeah, this is still pretty early days, but you kind of get the sense that Canonical is hoping to have a bit of a formative role here. It does seem so. Canonical will be working with the consortium to help define and promote open standards for confidential computing and helping to ensure that Ubuntu is a secure and trusted platform for those confidential computing workloads. And as you might have guessed, yes, the Confidential Computing Consortium is part of the Linux Foundation. Canonical says their goal in this work is for greater trust in cloud computing. Linode.com slash LAN. Go there to get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account. And that's a great way to support the show while you are checking out fast, reliable cloud hosting with the best support in the business. Real humans, all day, every day. They don't move you around. You call them, you do a ticket, you do an email, you do whatever, and they take care of you. Linode's how we run everything we've built in the last few years since we've gone independent. And Linode loves Linux. You can tell because it's baked into the product. It's in their environment. It's in their tooling. And the best part, they're 30 to 50% cheaper than the hyperscalers that want to lock you into their crazy esoteric platforms with their own language and their constant upsells. And they don't even let you get into the back end when you need to. And on top of all that, Linode has the best performance with 11 data centers around the world today. Another dozen going online this year and great features like object storage, cloud firewall, transparent, easy to understand backups, Kubernetes support, and a lot more. That's why you get the $100, because when I say a lot more, there is a lot more, and you just got to go try it for yourself. Go build something. Go learn something. Kick the tires and support the show. Just go to linode.com slash LAN. Get that $100 in 60-day credit and try it for yourself. linode.com slash LAN. And thank you to Collide. Collide.com slash LAN. If you didn't know, Collide can help Okta users achieve 100% fleet compliance. If a device isn't compliant, the user just can't log on to your cloud applications until they fix the problem. The moment Collide's agent detects a problem, it alerts that user and gives them instructions to fix it. If they don't fix the problem within a set time, they're blocked. It's that simple. And Collide's solution, it ensures device compliance as part of of authentication, which reduces support tickets and IT frustration while ensuring 100% compliance. Learn more or book a demo at collide.com slash LAN. The NextCloud project announced Hub4 today as we record. It's the next version of their collaborative suite of self-hostable apps and, I suppose, hostable. But the big news with this release is deep. And I do mean deep integration with what the project calls ethical AI features that are open source. And our buddy Brent and co-host from Linux Unplugged is in Berlin right now to cover the release. He's at the NextCloud office to get all the details and will be joining us to go more in depth 
and Linux Unplugged 503. But I asked him for his first impressions. On first impressions in this NextCloud release, the thoughtfully integrated AI certainly feels the most noteworthy, spurring many a fascinating discussion at today's release event. NextCloud have integrated various AI throughout the apps on their web interface, from speech to text via Whisper, text generation with ChatGPT, image generation with Dolly 2, translations with either DeepL or NextCloud's Translate. But what's especially intriguing is NextCloud's ethical AI rating system that helps to address the obvious question of data privacy while using these AI features, many of which are hosted locally when possible. There's an effort to offer transparency using a few metrics, such as, is the AI software open source? Is it freely available for self-hosting? And is the training data available and free to use? And these efforts feel less like a quickly added AI feature to keep up with the trends and more of a thoughtful and deliberate implementation of many AI in one place, which feels quite refreshing. I get the impression Brent's right. At the end of the Hub 4 announcement, Nextcloud calls out Microsoft for firing their ethical AI team and not making it clear when AI tools might be leaking your data. Nextcloud seems to be affirming that they are always going to make that clear. They've also been bringing these new AI features together with a new feature called Smart Picker. It's kind of like a launcher that activates when you hit the slash key, but it's context-aware and lets you get quick access to tools and AI features like speech-to-text via Whisper or image generation via Stable Diffusion. You know, as far as implementation goes, this is a cool feature. Like, I think I'm going to use this in general just to move around NextCloud quicker. But they have a demo. And in there, they show the user quickly summoning an AI-generated image of Captain Picard into a chat program that's going on in NextCloud Talk. And then, of course, if you want to take it even further, they give you the ability to enable certain external integrations like ChatGPT and then bring those into NextCloud Office, NextCloud Mail, and more sort of like templates taken to the next level. But I think the demo that impressed me the most was the one that essentially tied it all together. The user is in NextCloud Talk and they're organizing a meetup. They're using that intelligent smart picker and they tell it to go grab a task from Deck, which is kind of like a Kanban, you know, to-do list organizer in NextCloud. Then they uh, get that in the chat. So then they fire up the smart picker again and then they go embed the OpenStreetMap for the location event. And then after the event, they go back into the chat and they just readily share a video from PeerTube because, again, it's kind of like working in that whole ActivityPub ecosystem as well. You, you bring ActivityPub, all of these apps, some of which are like Collabora online that's really powerful and mail that's been based on other projects, like these things that are actually decent features on top of ActivityPub. And now with this launcher, and these new AI features, it's really becoming a combination that is, I think, extremely competitive with services like Google Workplace or Office 365. As Brent mentioned, the project also took some time in the announcement to talk about ethical AI. Writing, we thought long and hard about the ethical issues with AI. As you might remember, our previous releases did all AI-related work on the server. We did our very best to find ways to classify images, recognize faces, and recommend you files without leaking any data to a third-party server. And then they continue. But AI is moving fast, and we do want to give you the option to take advantage of innovations from third-party companies like DeepL, OpenAI, and others. 
We can't fix all the problems in the world, but we can give you a choice and provide transparency. So, to address the obvious privacy and control challenges that come up with artificial intelligence, the AI-powered features are transparently classified with NextCloud's ethical AI rating. As for where that rating comes from, they write, The ethical AI rating is based on the availability of code, models, and training data, so you can make informed choices. We share all about the conditions, classifications, and methodology of the ethical AI rating in our blog. And of course, we'll link to that in the show notes where you can read about their rating system and kind of get an idea of what to expect. Also, along with the Hub 4 release, Nextcloud is introducing a new developer program to entice developers to come contribute more apps to the Nextcloud App Store. Now, you might be wondering, they have a lot of apps already, right? And yes, they do. The Nextcloud App Store has around 300 apps already, but the project believes there's an opportunity for, quote, countless more. Not just countless more, Wes. <laughs> I would say there's also an opportunity for more coordination to get developers to update their apps for new Nextcloud updates. We've deployed the latest Nextcloud on our JB instance, like we do, of course. And uh, some of the apps, like the basic apps like Talk, haven't been updated yet. I'm sure they will soon. I mean, this is day of release. But I could see as these apps grow, that could become an issue. And hopefully this focus on developers will also involve a little coordination there as well. But like I said, we're going to kick the tires. We're going to dive even deeper. We're going to really play around with the features and get Brent's full report in Linux Unplugged 503. So don't miss that. And then, uh, you know, just zooming out, looking at the broader ecosystem, something tells me we're going to see a lot of integration with these recent open source AI projects. I think it's going to be a popular trend this year. And Nextcloud, they're just at the head of the pack right now. I think it's going to prove to be really interesting to see how projects implement this, to see what works, what doesn't, how users react, if there's any licensing issues, all that kind of stuff. We'll keep an eye on it and everything else going on in the world of Linux and open source. So don't miss an episode. Go to linuxactionnews.com slash subscribe for all the ways to get every single episode. And linuxactionnews.com slash contact for ways to get in touch. But please, no AI-generated messages. <laughs> and don't forget our buddy Brent. He's in Berlin. So, of course, we're doing a meetup. You can join him this coming Friday, March 24th. We'll have details at meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. Just don't forget to do that time math. As for us, well, we'll be back next week with our take on the latest Linux and open source news. Thanks for joining us. And that's all the news for this week.